0: Bless the lord good evening everyone we're so happy that you joined us this is episode one of the voice of freedom i am Ron L tate and this is Derek Betts, and we are your hosts for this show and, uh, we're so excited to be here we're excited that you've chosen to join us to be with us tonight uh, we know that you could be anywhere else doing so many other things on a monday night but we believe that once we get going and once you see what we're doing and hear what we're doing, there's no other place that you'd rather be than right here with us. Because our nation is in flux. Yeah, it's in flux. It's in turmoil right it's now. A lot of swirl going on, a lot of questions that are are, are in people's minds and they're yeah. trying to figure it out. Yeah. So we, we have a lot of questions, a lot of comments, a lot of anger, a lot of hatred and rage and things that are spewing out of the hearts of men no matter what side of the debate or the argument that you might be on and if you're anything like me or my brother here you've heard these comments you've heard these things being said you've heard them you've seen them put up on Facebook on Instagram on all the social media platforms you've seen them on the news and for me I've had a problem because I've heard everyone's heart, but I haven't heard enough of God's heart in the midst of it. Yeah. And we've talked about this, neither one of us have heard right. the Father's heart in the midst of the pain, the hurt, the anger, the rage, the defense, the facts, all of these things. And we just want to bring the heart of God into the conversation. Yeah. You know?
1: totally agree yeah. I mean uh, and I'll just go ahead and dive in like how, how did we get here yes yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah how do we get here yeah. so uh, honestly I'm really excited today because yeah. you know it, this man that's sitting beside me we we share a lot of things in common we've uh, we got to know each other honestly it was three years ago um, almost to the day, uh, almost to the month yeah. uh, in 2017, and it was around the conversation of race. Yeah. At that time in Dallas, there was um, uh, a situation that happened with the police, and uh, it sparked a conversation um, yeah. a- around race with the, uh, my church family, Upper Room. And uh, Ronell was one of the speakers to speak on what was called the ism of race. And at that time, God had begun stirring some things in my heart as it related to race. But um, I was, honestly, I was frustrated yeah. because even from, a, from an African-American uh, perspective, from an African-American man, uh, black man perspective, I felt that the voices that were speaking on, on justice, on social issues, on race, that those voices weren't necessarily speaking from a kingdom perspective yeah, yeah. and this is not a I guess this is not like a prophetic something that God gave me but I just felt in my heart that God was going to raise up some voices yeah. and that they were going to come in the same spirit of like uh, Martin Luther King and things like that where they weren't going to uh, try to achieve justice outside of Jesus. Come so on. when I, so when I heard Ronel speak um, the first thing that came to my mind he's one and I, ha- I have to connect with him. So, yeah. um, so after that we ended up, I ended up uh, stopping him after a service one day and we started talking and he, he said that he was in the process of moving and yeah. lo and behold, <laughs> he was moving in a neighborhood that's right across the street from my development. So we were like within minutes, a minute or two of yeah. each other. So we knew it wasn't a coincidence yeah. Yeah. that God had put us together. So over the course of the last two or three years, We've just been having a conversation yeah. on raising kids, what is God saying, family, uh, family yeah. marriage, what is God saying to the church, what is he saying to us yeah. as, as black men uh, of being a voice for, uh, for righteousness. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, that's, that's how it started. And it's amazing, three years later, we're on this same conversation yeah. on how we met. So I believe this is divine yeah.
0: of what God is doing yeah. right now. I, I know we, we had this conversation, uh, a couple weeks ago we were just talking as we were preparing and and i said to derek and i believe this is that three years ago i believe the church as a whole had an opportunity i had an opportunity yeah. we had an opportunity and both he and i have s- stated and said that we weren't ready to take that opportunity by the horns, so right. to speak the bull by the horns and dive into it but i believe the church had an opportunity to begin to bring uh, what the scriptures say in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, uh, the ministry of reconciliation. Reconciliation in our nation, there's been a cry for it for years, and three years ago when it sparked here in Dallas, it also happened to spark in the Carolinas and, and other little places, and it was an opportunity at that moment for the church to rise up and take its place where the father said that Jesus came and reconciled us to himself, thereby giving us the ministry of reconciliation. And and I can remember on the, uh, I don't know if it was the first Sunday I spoke or the second Sunday we were there. I said to the church there that if we are seeing issues, whatever issues are in our world, it's our responsibility. It's right. because we as the body we as one body we as the church right. collectively have not stepped into what the Lord has called us to right. we we've both we've talked about this and I believe I've heard different conversations I've heard people uh, trying to defend their position this yeah. reconciliation cannot exist apart from the father it can. it cannot exist apart from Jesus Christ so if I, if we are attempting to reconcile, bring reconciliation apart from the kingdom, it'll never happen. Right. And he and I, we have just, with all of the events, everything that has taken place to spark this, I, I called him, I think, or text him or whatever, and I'm in tears, weeping. Weeping for my nation. Right. Weeping for the place that I call home. Weeping for the people all around us, knowing that God has given us a voice, that heaven has something that the Father, that Jesus, the Son, that the Holy Spirit are wanting to impart and wanting to say, and that voice is getting drowned out to a degree in all of the nonsense, all of the cry, everything that's going on. And so we just wanted to jump into the fight
1: right we want to be a part of the the conversation because there's one thing to recognize a problem and sit on the sidelines and say hey why don't someone do something yeah or why don't (laughs) someone say something and we we really understand this is uncomfortable Mm -hmm. right because you know we have relationships with people that you know all of them don't exactly look like us they don't think like us Mm -hmm. and and that's that's not a black or white thing, it's both. Mm-hmm. So we have you know, that type of circle, but for some reason when it comes to race, it's like this thing that you just don't talk about, yeah. right? And the, all the things, because it brings so many emotions, and I believe one of the reasons it brings so many emotions is because it's been this elephant in the room in our nation that we never have really properly addressed it especially from the church yeah, yeah. And, and that's what we saw more than anything even where we are right now is there's there's been a silence in the church mm-hmm. and if there's going to be a solution to any problem that's right. in our nation in the nations of the earth it's going to have to be uh, a, a Jesus solution that's right. or it will never be uh, right. complete it will never be whole that's and things right. like that
0: that's right. so, so this our, is where we are it is our, our whole intent for this is to allow heaven to speak Our whole intent is that whoever tunes in, whoever comes and whatever they talk, this is going to be a podcast, so people will listen after this. We'll do this live, but we'll also have this in podcast form that we will begin to not only listen, but we'll begin to discuss. One of the issues that our nation faces today is that if you don't agree with me, we're mortal enemies. And, And I'm here to tell you that the Bible tells us that Unity doesn't even begin where the, until there are differences, where there are differences of feelings and opinions. That is the only place you can really have true unity, is where there is a different thought, a different feeling, and we choose to come together and walk together around this idea. Right. And heaven, heaven, we're gonna keep saying this. You'll hear saying this over and over. Reoccurring he- thing. it be a reoccurring thing. <laughs> heaven, the kingdom. The Father, Jesus has something he wants to say. And apart from him, we can never be whole. We can never be one. We're going to tackle this during this whole. We're we're going to be doing this a while. There will not be an issue that's off limits. There's not going to be a topic that we won't discuss. We understand that there will be people who are watching, who listen. that won't agree with us. But we simply ask you to hear our heart, know it's coming from this place, Yes. from this respect. perspective, from what we have seen in our own personal lives and how the blood has covered it, how the right. blood has washed us. You'll understand that even we, as much as we love one another, as good friends yeah. and brothers that we Still are. We're in different places on certain, on things, certain things in the healing okay. process and in our walk and, right. and in our growth. That, that's part of life. Right. And he may say something, I may say something that we don't quite feel I the same
1: about. Exactly. But
0: we're not going to fight here. Right. It, it, we're, we're coming to see Jesus bring complete wholeness and healing to the nation and to people that we love. Right. And so. I, I, we, this first show, we wanted to take time to give you our background, right. our life, how we got to this place. We're not experts. we not experts. We have, experiences. We, we have experiences. We have experiences. And exactly. we have our walk with Jesus. That's right. Jesus has healed us of certain things. Jesus has brought us to different places to see things differently from the way we were raised but we have a history that we wanna share why we're here. Right. Why I believe in certain respects the Lord pointed us out and put his finger upon us, that by faith we would step into the fight. So we just wanna, each one of us is gonna take time and night to do that. And, and I wanted to, we wanted to start, my brother Derek is gonna give you his history, tell you where he came from, how he got here to Frisco, Texas, and what life looks like for him right now, and where we going? So, yeah.
1: You know. So yeah, it's it's amazing how what God has done in brought bringing us together. Because uh, I'm from Mississippi, I'm proud to be from Mississippi. Even you know, with the uh, events that have happened in Mississippi over the last week, with the uh, with the, uh, the the Mississippi legislator. L- legislators, um, they uh, voted to, um, to change the flag in Mississippi because it had a Confederate uh, emblem on it. So, uh, I mean, so everyone knows the history in Mississippi. You know, you heard all the things that happened in the past with race and uh, during slavery time. So, you know, that's the context upon which I, I was born. So I was born in uh, Mississippi Delta. It's about 70 miles south of M- Memphis, Tennessee. Um, and one of the, the things that stood out to me, uh, even in at a very early age, is when I was probably in kindergarten. My mom and dad, they did not go very far in school. Actually, my mom couldn't read. Wow. But my mom worked as a maid, and she would go across town. She would go across the bridge from what we would say from our neighborhood, which is all black, to a white neighborhood to clean. Uh, houses in white people's homes. So my first experience in looking at race was, hey, why is it that when I grow just right across the bridge, it's only a town of 20,000 people that the neighborhoods look different, the streets are cleaner, the houses have a a fresher coat of paint. So my first experience was going across the bridge and looking like I'm going into a different (coughs) world. Yeah. So that's where I grew up, you know, the it, it was it was racially divided. Yeah. So uh and going up in school though, uh when I was in elementary, I was second grade, uh I was attending my neighborhood school because honestly, that was the way to keep honestly segregation uh going mm-hmm. by creating neighborhood schools. So if your neighborhood is all black, then your school is going to be all black. So You know, there was integration, people were bused, but for the most part schools were still racially divided at that time and I was, this was the 80s, early 80s. But when I was second grade, uh, I was given a test. Uh, It was what would be called today the Gifted and Talented Program. Uh, My mom, uh, they sent the paperwork home and I had to take a test. And after taking the test, they said, hey, we want you to be, be a part of this program. But the program was only in one school in my in my town, and it was a predominantly white school So from third grade through sixth grade all of my experiences were growing up playing Every day going field trips as part of this program with white kids mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my experiences already from the early ages. I was being introduced to uh, People that were not like me yeah. and I became comfortable with that world. So fast forward, you know years you know go by. I go to college uh, graduate from college I began to uh, get in the workforce uh, my degree was in biology I worked in a few labs but you know the situation I was always put in was I was pretty much always the only black in, 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 a, uh, in various uh, surroundings mm-hmm. you know I was in R&D for a while and I worked at a factory Honestly, all the people that pretty much worked in the factory were pretty much all blacks. The people that worked in R&D, or what we called at that time, on the hill, uh, it was predominantly white. So those were my experiences, and God just seemed to always open these doors up for me. So that began to paint a picture in my mind, even when I uh, moved to Frisco, Texas. So in 2010, uh, just at, at, at a word of the Lord, God began to just stir in us that... You know, he was calling us to, uh, as he did with uh, Abraham, get thee out of that country and the kindred and go to a place that I'll show you, Genesis 12. God spoke to us from that from that passage, and he just began to um, speak to our hearts that, that he was changing something. And he wanted to change the course of a generation. Prior to that, uh, I felt this call to uh, get, into, get into politics, <laughs> and and uh, I was about to run for mayor uh, of my hometown in Clarksdale, but oh. due to, um, I was on the election commission, and you had to renounce that a year prior, so I couldn't really run, and honestly, that devastated me, because I went through a season uh, prior to that, two or three years prior to that, I went through a season of Spending time with the Lord and I would just begin to weep and I couldn't explain why I would call my wife from work and say, uh, you know, I'm crying and I didn't know what it was and I I just I thought something was like wrong with me and shortly after that God Spoke to me and said I've called you to be a voice for people that have no one speaking for them Yeah, and that's when I thought I was supposed to go into politics and things like that So, But after that experience of not being able to run, thinking I had heard from the Lord, um, it really fueled me to listen to God saying, hey, I am calling you to move. So Mm -hmm. we moved here, leap of faith, didn't know anybody, um, didn't have a job, (laughs) no connections, you know, no cousins. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't have anything but just this word from the Lord that we can trust Him. So honestly, over the course of four years, four to five years, God just would just open crazy doors. Yeah. Like every time, uh, I mean, I walked for like two or three months trying to like, get my first job and I, I couldn't find a job and God just opened doors. Like I would meet people and they would invite me over to the house and say, hey, I just wanna help you. Yeah. Uh, I would be at church, people would just give me checks and stuff like that. It was just like this crazy thing that God was doing but honestly what i realized when it came to race i began to see this world where i in my heart i would give god credit for it Mm -hmm. but honestly in my heart i really thought it was because either i was smarter or i was doing the right things i was working harder than others and i had no empathy for people that looked like me that experience things that i didn't experience yeah, yeah so this lens that i began to look at this favor that was upon my life i began to look at it through a skewed lens yeah. as if i was earning these things from the lord mm-hmm. and i realized that you know that i had in my heart i, I had you know done something wrong mm-hmm. so but i knew that god was calling me to be a voice but i just didn't know what that looked like yeah. And I knew uh, after about you know a few years ago I began to realize that you know this thing with government had nothing to do with politics. Yeah. Because so, see if, if you think about politics, politics all is all about debating, yeah. it's all about you know who's right, who's wrong, and things like that. But but government is God's government is totally different. Yeah. You cannot politics is too small. To stuff the kingdom of God inside. Yeah. That's why I believe yeah. most politicians that's with good intents fail the because they're trying to stuff poli- k- the kingdom inside that's of politics, and true. the kingdom is too big. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so mm-hmm. everything has to bow to His kingdom, mm-hmm. and that's when I began to realize, no, I don't have a call to be in politics, but it's to 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 force heaven's government upon earth, yeah. Yeah. and and that's and that's my call. Yeah. So during the coronavirus uh, speed fast forward ahead a little bit, God began to speak to speak to me and speak to my wife. Uh, many people and I believe it was true many people were uh, saying that God was uh, starting this season of rest and I really believe that that was relevant and it's true and even for us he was he was starting this thing of rest, but for us God took me to where Jesus was in the garden. Mm -hmm. And he was in the garden of Gethsemane. And every time he would go to pray, every time he would come back, the disciples were sleeping. He said, can't you just sit here and watch him pray just for a little while? And he did it three times. Mm -hmm. And during that uh, season, of when we first, you know, went through the coronavirus, everything was locked down. God convicted me and told me that I was sleeping. And it was wow. time to come alive. Wow, wow. So not that there was wow. a counter narrative to yeah. to season rest, yeah. but for me, God added something to it and told me to come alive. Yeah. And it was during that season that I began to realize that God had called me to do certain things, and that I was basically hiding because of fear, yeah. because yeah. of of religious false humility. I'm just throwing it all out there mm-hmm. that there's mm-hmm. there's this humility or humbleness to not saying anything. And all <clears throat> those were just religious things that God was saying, no, that's not him. Yeah, yeah. So God began to stir my heart. And I had seen many events where we saw uh, black men being, you know, killed by the police where it was, you know, there was no justification for it. Mm-hmm. And all the other times, honestly, and I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be as transparent as possible, all of those other times I really felt like they must have been doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, yes it was wrong for the police to do it, mm-hmm. but evidently they probably had some kind of criminal record or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. was transparent. Mm-hmm. But when, when this thing happened with Ahmad Aubrey, mm-hmm. where he was in his own neighborhood, yeah. Yeah.
0: J- going jogging, And some men... No matter if he was in a house being built. How many people all all around the nation walk in houses that being
1: built? Yeah, I mean, honestly, (laughs) I had a house built four years ago. And one of the times I walked in my house and somebody, like a neighbor, they was getting their house built across the street. He was in my house. Yeah, I'm like, like, I know people do this, but come on, man. (laughs) You're in my house. You know, it's not finished. So when that situation happened, honestly, something shifted in my heart mm-hmm. where where I went from a posture of someone had to be doing something wrong to where I live in the same type of neighborhood that's, that's maybe 5% black in my development of 90 houses and mm-hmm. I can count the number of blacks that are in my neighborhood mm-hmm. to I went from a posture of he he probably did something wrong to... You know, that could have been me. Yeah, That could well, have been justified. my curious son, Yeah, you know, because it was unjustified. Yeah. Yeah. You know, he was just jogging in his neighborhood where he lived. Mm-hmm. And then when we had um, George Floyd, again, where it was graphic and things like like that, something shifted in my heart to where I went from this posture of seeing things from my own lens where... I was comfortable being around white people, God had showed me so much favor and I misconstrued favor for my works justifying why doors were opening for me to where it immediately switched Mm -hmm. to say there was favor on on my life to where it went from now I'm empathetic. To the plight of others, yeah, yeah, where I see yeah. someone that where justice did not happen, where my heart began to break, yeah. and something mm-hmm. happened in in those moments mm-hmm. where I began to realize that no, this is an issue, mm-hmm. and and it's not something where we're, we're blaming you know all a certain group. We're not blaming all white people. We're not blaming all police. That's not what we're here doing. But what I'm saying is something shifted in my heart to where now. I can be empathetic and i can view the world through someone's someone else's lens yeah yeah. so from those we had we began to have conversations yeah i called you you were weeping and you know it was things like that and then i remember talking to my wife about it yeah man me and Ronnie were talking and she was like you know what y'all should do something together (laughs) and i was like you know
0: i like that we should
1: Yeah. So it was from those moments that I began to realize that, you know, even with me, I can say that God has, has, like, always put me in a situation where, you know, I have been around a lot of white people, and honestly, my comfort level is more comfortable there, and I'm just being totally real, yeah. and it's because of the setting, but I'm still a black man in the United States, and I need people to see that as well, mm-hmm. and that there are things that are, are specific to our plight that is different than others. Yeah. And, if, and, and it wasn't, God didn't do these things so that I would have a blind eye to it, mm-hmm. but it was so that I would understand both worlds. Yeah. So now I can have conversations, I'm from the Mississippi, I, I mean, I, we were poor, I mean, I grew up, my parents didn't have a lot of things, mm-hmm. you know, our city was racially divided, even to this day, I mean, when I came here in 2010 and I began to um, and I began to have uh, people invite us over for dinner who are white, that was foreign to us, yeah. And people begin yeah, let's have dinner and stuff like that. Cause I didn't have that growing up. Yeah. So even with my experiences of working with people and things like that, it never got to the level of intimacy of breaking bread with people. Yeah. It never got to the the level of intimacy where we're worshiping Jesus together. Yeah. Yeah. So you know that's where you know I am. That's that's a bit of my story. That's uh you know, really as it pertains to race, that's kind of some of the things that I saw growing up in the Mississippi Delta, so, yeah. you know, we wanted to you guys to see, you know, where the lens upon which we came from, even from our experiences, but also, you know, we're, 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 we're both lovers mm-hmm. of Jesus, so, I mean, that's our perspective more than anything is seeing the lens through the Bible and through His Word.
0: I know as Derrick was talking, I was just thinking just right now, in January, January 26th is a Sunday morning, as a matter of fact, as I was preparing uh, for service, being a pastor, preparing for service that morning, at 6.11 a.m., the Lord spoke to me Uh, that morning. And he said this, he said, tell my people love is all they'll ever need. So purchase love. I had no idea at that moment when he spoke that to me and said that how necessary in the days going forward it would be I didn't give our church that word that morning, I forgot it wasn't that I intended not to I just forgot I did the following week and as we've gotten into these days and where we are it is more real and more live and I see, it's like in Revelation where he tells them I think he was talking to the Laodicean church I hadn't planned on saying this <laughs> and, and he tells them to buy you know gold and silver from me it was in the epicenter where they could purchase anything they wanted right. they could buy gold silver garments scar- all. It. and he tells them no 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 buy it here buy it from yeah. me and he said he t- it, tell my people love is all they'll ever need So purchase love. He was saying purchase it from me. Mm -hmm. The reason I'm saying that is that what Derek shared about his own personal journey, it's his and his makeup. Just like mine is mine, yours is yours. But it has to come to a place where it brings us to this place where we purchase love. No matter what my experiences are, (laughs) no matter what life has shaped, I am going to have to come to this place of love because he is love. Right. And he says, "Purchase love from me, and to be able to purchase it from him, that I can live in this life." Right. And 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 it, that's huge for me today because I, as I look at my my own life, and it's interesting. My mother just jumped on, and I actually was going to call her to verify this one point. I don't know if she's still watching. She can I verify, Mom. She can verify <laughs> for me if she's still on there. But I, I grew up in the city of Chicago. I, was, I wasn't born in Chicagoland. People say they were <laughs> the born suburbs. in Chicago and they were born in whatever you know area. No, I was born on the south side of Chicago. Why is that important? Because anyone who knows anything about Chicago is that all of my life, all I, one of the things I heard about the city of Chicago, it was the most segregated city in the United States. That, that's what I heard. People think the south. Right. And yeah, the south... Right. I, I, I was told a lot about mississippi being <laughs> in chicago growing up i was told uh be careful driving through mississippi i was growing up and i was told don't break down make sure you don't break down in mississippi at night because we might not see you again if that happens this is these are things that i was told see my mother said truth so i'm going to ask you a question mind you stay there one second to verify this one story because I want people to see my history. And, and, and so even Dr. Martin Luther King, people that people look, he was a prophet of God. Yes. He even said about Chicago when he came through Chicago in the 60s. These are his words. You can look them up that he had not seen the type of hatred in Chicago outside of Bull Connor in Alabama. That's saying something and that's the city we grew up in. Yeah, my mother writes, she says, we were careful driving through Mississippi, remember, yeah. everywhere, she was, we were always. And because we would go south every summer. And, and growing up in that type of environment, Chicago, even to, to this day, you have, there are areas that have their own names that you know the blacks live here. Puerto Ricans live, and, and let me let me say this. I want to say this ahead of time. I am not an individual today in my own life that I like identifying people based on color of their skin. I, that's me. I don't do that anymore. I don't like it, but for the sake of where we are and what we're talking about, for the conversation, we need, conversation, we need to. But if, if you were to ask my wife if she was standing here, when I come home and tell her about someone, race is never... The color of their skin is never the first thing ever out of my mouth, because I don't like identify it. I, 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 anyway, I we will get those are conversations for another show. <laughs> but, yeah, we'll get into that. But there in our in Chicago, there will be there is Chinatown, and you know that all Chinese, not just Asians, but Chinese live there. There are areas where the Polish live and. The area—I I mean, all of these different areas, separated by street borders—and mm-hmm. so growing up, you know, in the city, you know, one well, year we were told, "Be careful going through Mississippi when we're traveling." But there were areas in the city that we were told not to get caught out, caught on that side of the track after dark. Cicero being one of the main areas, you know, in its the south side is—it's it's right up against the city. It's considered a suburb, but you were told being black not to be in cicero and i can remember as an adult male having to drive over there and still looking that way and and this is what if my mother's still on i wanted to verify this i want everyone to understand where i, I came from my family is, is from the south my my this is what i want you to verify about granddad that that i have the story completely accurate my grandfather and i i want you all to understand is my grandfather was like my dad, I revered everything about him. I loved him tremendously and still do to this day. If there's someone I miss and I, yeah, I miss my grandmothers, I miss, her, but there's someone I miss tremendously, it's him. It's mm-hmm. him seeing me get married, seeing my kids, seeing you know all of these different things. But my grandfather, and I want you to understand, my grandfather was born in Ponchatoula, in the south Louisiana, Mississippi. It's right there on the border. My grandfather, who had to have been sixty plus to seventy percent white, and I say that because my mother—we've taken DNA tests—and my mother is thirty some odd percent white. I am twenty-eight percent white. My grandfather, who so he had to have been sixty-five to seventy percent white, and if I understand the story correct, correct, and you can. Ch- Correct me or acknowledge it, my is that he was chased out of the South for allegedly whistling at a woman who happened to be white. That that is what from my recollection, the story, is that he was chased and that he had to spend the night in a cemetery. The the reason I want to highlight that is I want you to realize that my grandfather, who was like he raised me until he died along with my mother. I, I mean, I, I, he who was percentage wise, more white than he was black, he was, she said, my mother says you are correct. He was chased out of the South had to spend a night in the cemetery running for his life. By the very people who he was more like than he was different,. Right. So this is the backdrop. Right. So in my household growing up, we heard these stories. We heard that anger and the rage. My, my mother would have told me the thing, my grandparents, don't you ever don't, I mean, it's just, don't you ever bring anybody white in this house, don't do this, don't do. You know, these, are, these are things that had taken place because of what was done to him. And, and, and the reason I think this is important is I believe that there's a portion of society there, and, and again, it, white society in the sense that you may not have grown up like this and you wonder why at times, because I have seen people say, well, the number of blacks today who have been killed by police officers has drastically dropped. This is true from a factual standpoint. However, if you go back into the 30s, the 40s, the 50s and 60s and those things weren't the case and you have to say, my grandfather, this is his history. What do we do? We pass that history on to our children and then they teach their children. And so what happens is that when it's seen through a certain lens and it's passed on, it's not that the numbers are like they were in the 30s the 40s the 50s and the 60s however it's like you know we we talked before yeah, like yeah. a marriage right. if if i have consistently do something that my wife doesn't like and i'm working to get better right. but then that 567 time i do it again but i haven't done it in months
1: right.
0: it's not just that you know that one time made it so big it's all the other. It's the, the compound, it's the history of it. My mother says, yes, we taught you all that due to our pain and fear. I, I want you to hear that. That this is my, my mother saying that She said, we taught, she taught me, my brothers and my sisters, out of pain and fear. Why? Because my grandparents taught her right. out of their experience, out of their pain, their anguish, their hurt, their fear. I recently said to my mother, out of this history, I said, what type of self-hatred did my grandfather have to live with to deny a great portion of who he was in order just to live and survive? What did that do internally? You, you, you know? And so we, we grew up in, I grew up like this in Chicago. However, I didn't grow up like what my mother lived through, what her parents lived through did i experience you saw segregation i grew up my neighborhood was all black until my mother moved to the north side of chicago then i went to school and and i actually happened to be in school around blacks whites hispanics asians i, I mean all these groups that began to it began to say huh their life is a little, little bit different right. and then i go into high school or, you know i remember in high school I'll never forget one, my uh, geometry teacher, sophomore year. Man, I hated that class. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the reason I don't
0: forget this guy, and I didn't like it much either, but this guy, I remember in the middle of class, made one of the most racist statements. He was on the south side of Chicago. The south side of Chicago was majority black. The high school, I went to a Catholic high school that at one point in time Used to be majority white. My dad went there when he went there it was majority white. When I went there, it was majority black. And he made a statement about the mayor we had at the time, mayor Harold Washington, wow. one of the great mayors of the city of Chicago. And not because he was black. He was, he was a good mayor. But he died on this particular day, and this teacher made a statement about him. And, and I don't re- remember the full statement. I remember what it made me feel like. And I remember that. And so I remember that happening. I remember when I graduated high school. And the reason that why this is, this is another one of those things that was big is I graduated valedictorian. However, there was another young man in class with me who happened to be white. His name is John Brock. He, for three years, had a higher GPA than mine. Well, he decided to take all his easy classes senior year. I took the harder classes, and I aced them all. He got B's in a couple of classes. My GPA passed his. However, the school said, the administration said, that because he had been number one for three plus years, they were gonna make us co-valedictorian. It was the second time that I had a sting of right racism wow. hitting me and I'm like, so I said okay, what, what I'm going to do is, you know, when we had to come to practice our graduation speech, I didn't show up. <laughs> <laughs> and, and because my GPA was higher than his, I got to go last during the speech. Oh, yeah. And so I was going to deal with it then, <laughs> which I did. But those things, those were they weren't my mother's experience. They weren't my family's. They weren't right. my grandparents. But those things you remember. But it, the strange thing happened is that as I grew, gave my life to Christ, Jesus got a hold of me and I actually literally, I got saved. <laughs> Save <laughs> For real. For real. <laughs> Something happened inside of my heart. And I happened to be at a church that... We hear a lot of churches say that they're integrated. Usually they mean they're still 80, 70% one race, and 20, 30% another. But this actual church that I went to, they happened to be, it was 38, 39% one, 38, 39% others and other racial groups made up the remainder. And I happened to be there. And I, I remember being caught off guard when I saw that racism was inside the church too. And not just on one side, on both sides. Right. I remember having a conversation in the bookstore, and I'm getting to us here at Air Frisco when we get here and where I am today. But I remember a gentleman in the bookstore. He, he, he was black. And our pastor at the time was saying that we're citizens, he was teaching, we're citizens of heaven. And he said, we're Havanian. That's what he was saying. Mm-hmm. He was saying, this is the, we're one racist. We're mm-hmm. Havanian. That's, this is what he was saying this guy walks up to me in a bookstore and he said, I know what pastor's talking about, I know what he's saying, but you and I, we need to stick together.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And my response to him said something had changed inside of my heart that I hadn't realized it. And I looked at him and I said, man, you better get out of here. Get out of my face with that. <laughs> and I was shocked that that was my response. Yeah. And it was my response because I lived that division outside the church. I didn't want to live it where it was supposed to be no division. I remember a situation where uh, a young lady, I didn't know she was interested in me. I I didn't know it, but she was. Uh, She happened to be white. I didn't know it. She happened to tell someone in the church who was also white. And they tried to use scripture to say God was against it. They tried to use when Moses married the Ethiopian Egyptian woman. And Miriam and Aaron came against him. And, I, and, I, and, and her brother told me about it. And I said, yeah, but God said to Mary and Aaron, who do you think you are? And he said, leprosy. He says, Moses is not just any other prophet. He's different with me. I speak to him face to face. I don't speak to him in dreams and riddles. Like other I speak to him face to face, in other words, if I had a problem with it, I would tell him right. and and you know, and so that it show- showed me some things, but my heart never grew angry in that, which said that man, God was doing something different inside of my heart that I wasn't fully aware of right. and uh then you know as time went on I the Lord pointed out my wife to me (laughs) and she happens to be white I had never dated anyone up to that moment I hadn't dated anyone who was white and it was the Lord who said to me look there's who you've been asking for wouldn't it be he said to me on a getting on a flight to Haiti wouldn't it be funny if that's your wife And I reminded the Lord that I wasn't on a trip looking for a wife, I was there to do his work. (laughs) But it it was saying to me that there was something different that the Lord was doing. And there was this other conversation I had, one more, this conversation. I was on a bus in Chicago, in the suburbs, going to Chicago Heights. We had a, I had a, we had cell groups and we had an outreach or something we were doing. And I was on the bus and I was reading my Bible. Because, you know, I actually, when I got saved, I actually started believing everything I read. It, you know, uh, I know
1: this stuff is real. It, it is real. And,
0: and I started believing in it. And it started changing the way I view people, view situations. This is why I say I don't like using skin tones. I, I'd much rather want to know whether you believe or don't, you know, than, than anything. That's the real That's the real test, litmus you know? test. But I was on the bus and I was reading my Bible and this gentleman was sitting next to me and he was black and he asked me what I was reading and I said to him, oh, I told him the scripture I was reading. He said, do you know I'm preaching that this Sunday at the church? I'm an assistant associate pastor or whatever. He says, I'm preaching. I said, oh, really? And so we started talking and he asked me this question. He said, what do you do for a living. And I told him I was like, at the time, I was a trainer about to be a manager at a restaurant. And his response to me was this, your boss must be black. That's what he said to me. In other words, that the only way that me having darker skin tone can get a promotion in society is Mm -hmm. that my manager had to be black. And I looked at him and I said, no, he's not. He's white. Then he said, well, his boss, must be black. Oh. I said, No, he's not. And then I looked at him and I said, Have you never read where it's written in Jeremiah and Revelation that whatsoever door our father opens, no yes. man can shut? I didn't say, He didn't say it unless that man is no white, door, black, black, yellow, black, green, green, whatever. <laughs> and he said, whatsoever door my father opens, or whatsoever door my father closes, no man can shut. And he looked at me with a perplexed look. But I realized that the Lord was doing something different in me. I didn't know for what. I didn't know. I had no idea that I would marry someone who was white. I had no idea that I would move. Before I left Chicago, I lived in an area that was more. I I didn't know I would move to a city. See, for me to minister, it would have been a lot more comfortable for him to send me to South Dallas, (laughs) to Oak Cliff. I would have been, fit in been comfortable right. there to see the hill of DeSoto, right. I would have right in. But when he said, no, go to the north suburbs of Texas, I know. that's different, I know. So different economic pool. Diff- demographic. Demographic. Everything. Everything is different. And, it, and I believe it's because of a day like this, yeah, it's it this moment where the Lord has given us an opportunity. Not to simply reconcile one group of people, right. but to reconcile multiple groups by having conversations, as you've already mentioned,
1: that
0: we didn't want that we don't like to have, that's uncomfortable, that's difficult, but we need to. We definitely need to. You know, we we're all shaped differently. We got different experiences, but if we're gonna see God move in our nation. I don't know about you. I don't care what it is. I don't like seeing my nation burn. No. I don't like seeing people in pain. I don't like seeing the things that we're we're seeing. And I believe that the Lord is looking. You know, someone gave me a scripture recently, and I've read it before. But I've been reading Matthew twenty-four, and we don't have time for that tonight. But it's it speaks of. Today, if you read it in the Passion Translation, mm-hmm. it speaks of right now. But Jeremiah 3.15, where he says, I will give you shepherds after my own heart. Mm-hmm. I'll give you fathers after my own heart. Matthew 24 is a whole chapter on deception. How we fall in, we're in that place right now. And I believe it's because we haven't had fathers stand up right. and take our place. And we're just attempting to do, do that.
1: Just trying. know no you you tapped into something that's uh that i I see a i I would say a common thread Mm -hmm. with us Mm -hmm. and it's how god has like forced us to have these experiences yeah you know like he said hey this is your wife and she happened to be (laughs) right you had never done that before and prior to that you you live you know around you know mostly black people and things like that then he he calls you to North Dallas, Dallas. Yeah. And not to just North Dallas. He called you to, to Frisco. Frisco. <laughs> to which, yeah. when I first moved here, before I moved here, we came uh, Thanksgiving 2009 to just do, like, scouting, see what's going on. We stayed at the Alof Hotel in Frisco. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things that the person that was working at the Alof, they was like, oh, you're visiting Frisco? And he was like, you know, out of all the suburbs around here, this is like... The most like economically like viable ones, most expensive and things like that. So God took you from where you were Mm -hmm. to this place. I didn't grow up like that. I didn't grow up like that. And same thing
0: with me. Yeah, I'm from Mississippi. I had a single mother. I had a single mother who exactly (laughs) she worked two jobs at different times. There was one time you know we were short on on food stamps because it was in between her working. She had had baby, and I mean it was just. Not, I, we this, didn't grow up like this. We didn't grow up like this. No. And God, when I
1: came yeah. here as well, coming from Mississippi Delta, a lot of poverty. Even to this day, probably median yeah. income was yeah. around twenty thousand. Yeah. Then I yeah. moved to Frisco. The median income was it's a hundred thousand <laughs> when I moved in twenty ten. It's yeah. probably like one ten or one fifteen now, yeah. Yeah. and it blew my mind. But God took us both out of what we were used to mm-hmm. and put us into this environment. And I believe he did it strategically yeah. Yeah, to absolutely. to absolutely. to to be a voice for for this particular day. Absolutely, that we would understand relationships by growing up as African Americans in yeah. those experiences. Like you said, I didn't experience what my dad experienced. Yeah. My dad was and that's born in 1931. Thing. That's a beautiful thing. So he experienced like some tough stuff. Yeah. So some of his comments that he he's made is yeah just totally just things that I wouldn't say, yeah. but I heard those. But today I understand he's only speaking out of what he experienced, yeah. right? Yeah. So, but God sit us right here in Frisco. Yeah. We're we're downtown Frisco right now, mm-hmm. about a block away from, mm-hmm. from City Hall, yeah. the center of, of, of city government. Right on Main Street. Right on Main Street, <laughs> right in the heart of Frisco. And we're talking about, you know, this issue of race. Yeah. And I believe it's, it's this divine moment yeah. that God has placed us in. And I'm being honestly, I, I ran away from this because yeah. I really, yeah. this is not something that's saying, yeah, I'm signing up for that. Yeah. right? Yeah. Because it's, yeah. it's, 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 it's hard, it's my experiences, but because I love Jesus, yeah, what I've learned is say yes, and then allow him and to work out all the that's details. Right. That's right. And so this I'm is just yes. a yes for us, To be a voice, not the voice, but be a voice to where there is a voice of righteousness. There is a voice that says there is a justice that can be achieved. But as I like to say it, you can't have justice outside of the high judge, which is Jesus. Jesus is a king. But the Bible also says that he's going to judge the living and the dead. Yeah. He's going to judge everything. So there's no higher judge. He's higher than the Supreme Court. He's higher than all those. Yeah. So if we're going to achieve justice, it can only come through Jesus. That's right. Because That's right. justice yeah. has always been his heart. That's right. And he desires justice way more than you do. Yeah. That's you true. know, So well, so... He wants it way more than you do. When he went to the cross and died for us, it was all because he was trying to make things right.
0: And he wants it. The the cry was justice for George Floyd. Right. But apart from the the cross, apart from his throne, there's no justice. There is no justice. You cannot have justice when he says it's the foundation of Of his his throne. throne.
1: Which his throne represents. His authority, his kingdom, his <laughs> his legal right yeah. to be the one at the very top. Yep. So his throne or that rulership rests on top of righteousness and justice. It's
0: foundational.
1: So it's 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 what his 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 kingdom rests upon. It's so, so we, can't do it. and we, can't, we can't do it outside of can't that. Can't do it outside of that. So okay. unless we speak from that perspective, and yeah. I, and I'm gonna say it again, my frustration. Was specifically with uh, with with, with African American voices, and I'm not saying it's everybody. Mm-hmm. I'm just mm-hmm. saying what I was hearing is people trying to achieve justice outside of Jesus. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. and I was frustrated. Absolutely, and I was frustrated, and I was, frustrated. and I was like, "That's not the model that I grew up. That's not like Martin Luther King model. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. he talked about was through the lens of Jesus. That's right. He That's talked right. through parables." He, he all he did what he talked about was that so it's like how did we get so far advanced mm-hmm. or progressing mm-hmm. to where we think we can achieve those things that are righteous outside of him that's right yeah. and, and that was my frustration and that took me to a place to where i said yes that i'll come out of my comfort zone yeah. i'll come out of those yeah. because i want to see this thing done right and i believe god Honestly, I was thinking about this as well. I believe through us that God is going to raise up other voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By them hearing yeah. us yeah. saying that yeah. this is our heritage and it's this is our election, <laughs> yeah. it's, it's going to awaken something yeah. inside yeah. of other voices. Specifically, And I'm not saying that you know there aren't white voices and things like that, but what I'm saying is God is going to call up some voices that are African-American men and women that are going to take this mantle where, when I saw you, what I saw more than anything was it's, it's an old sound, but it's fresh. Yeah. Yeah. It's <laughs> I, but it's, but it's <laughs> for today, right? Yeah. yeah but yeah. it sounded like Yesterday. our history, yeah. our legacy. Yeah. And I believe God is going to raise up some more yeah. forces to, yeah. to, to do that. Same Absolutely.
0: Thing. Absolutely. I, I, I want to say this. I know we're almost out of time for the, this show. But one of the things, and I I knew this also changed in me, when we, this hit me with George Floyd, you you know, what hit me, and I know if you go back over 20-something years from me, I've been a believer for 22 years, before that, I would have looked at this completely different. When I saw what happened with George Floyd, my immediate reaction wasn't, the officer was racist. I said he's evil. He's being governed by evil, by darkness. Darkness. Because I don't know if he was racist or he was just authority hungry, power right. controlling, right. and evil. No matter what, e- evil is whatever. evil, whether it's racist, whether it's whatever it was. And when I saw the video, my heart cried because I saw murder being done in broad daylight but i knew what was coming in our nation right i knew that there was going to be this divide and yes, this yes, yes, undertone yeah this
1: like volcanic eruption yes, that's going to happen
0: that would try to splinter to come at our nation to rip it apart and i just want us to know that jesus loves our nation he does he loves everyone in it all of us we don't understand everything we don't under there are whites who don't understand why blacks think the think the way that they do. Blacks don't understand why whites think and right. see things the way that they do. And it is only us coming to this place where we want real, complete, true, whole justice, mercy. See, this is the other thing. Yeah. Go <laughs> on yeah, I know we're just gonna go over here. This this is the other thing. <laughs> righteousness and justice are the foundation of his throne but mercy and truth it says are ever before his face. right we can't say we want justice and we don't want truth or mercy right we don't want to be merciful to the one who's on the opposite side right mercy requires me to be understanding Of the individual that's next to me, that's in front of me, that's around me. That I begin to see it through their Their, lens, not just my lens. (laughs) But
1: mercy will force me to look through someone else's eyes. Which means I look through their experiences now, their experiences in the past. That's what mercy will will force me to do. It is.
0: Yes. And, And he's... We are taking up this mantle that I believe that... I mentioned as, yeah, as fathers, but in 2 Corinthians 5.21, I'm going to go back to it again. You're all are going to hear these scriptures a lot over the weeks. But where he told us that he's given us the ministry of reconciliation. Right. How many times have you read that? How many times have we seen that and not realized that he's talking about me? Right, not for somebody else. It's not for someone else. It's me. Right. He has given me, me the ministry. Anyone who says, I'm a believer, that names the name of Christ, you now carry the ministry of reconciliation. Right. You have a ministry. You have you a ministry. On one, you got one. You got one where you are responsible to reconcile the world. The next verse said, It is as if. To him first. To him first. And then to your brothers. Exactly. He said, It is as if God is crying through you, Be reconciled to Christ. It is. This is what we've been called to. So if we see whatever issue in our nation, in our world, that is highlighted to you majorly, God wants you to reconcile it to Himself.
1: Step into it.
0: And for us right now,
1: this is it.
0: This is it. This is a major issue. Uh, if you look at my high school, you know, when they asked you, I was in the, uh, the Sometimes, a newspaper in Chicago, because I was valedictorian the Chicago Sun-Times and I still got the clip. time. Yeah, yeah you <laughs> know your mom did that too, right? Cut everything yeah, out every of put it in the scrapbook. My grandmother, I mean she kept on I me mean, all of that. And so, but they asked me who was, who was your hero? I put Dr. Martin Luther King back there. That's correct. Yeah. You know, because of what he meant to not only our community, but oh, this is to the world. This is to, to the world. Yeah, this is to the world. And how he spoke and what he said. Is like, I want to be able to speak like that. Yeah. That you're fighting for those who can't fight for themselves, but you're doing it from a posture of love. Yeah. From a place of love. I want to be that. Definitely. So, you know, I know we're out of time. Derek's is getting ready to pray for us. He's going to close it out. But I just want you to stay tuned for our next show. We're going to let you know the dates. We're going to be sending those out. We're going to create a page just so you can go there. And uh, we're going to have a long-term conversation. Yeah, long-term. This is not
1: something that can be done, in you know, a on one-time setting, a couple of times. This is, like, ongoing dialogue yeah. or whatever.
0: Because so. we, we need to see healing yeah. amongst all people groups that we can actually, uh, you know, Dr. King talked about us being at the table of brotherhood. If we can't talk to one another, you sure can't get the brother. <laughs> you can't get it. If we can't work out our differences, we will never come to this place of actually being brothers. And, and just because it seems that, you know, at times there's been a quiet and everybody's just gone about their life mm-hmm. and different things. That's a good point. That everything is just okay. You no, know, sometimes we're just ignoring right. things just because we're caught up in our life. And we haven't really said let's deal with the issue at Yeah, let's do, really talk about it. Yeah. So, I'm glad we. Yeah, man. I'm glad our first one is under under under, under grabs, our belt. Under <laughs> I'm glad so you all well, stayed man. with thank us for this whole show as we Thanks worked through. Everyone you know. for
1: joining. I mean, our friends, our family. Thank you guys for joining and just taking your time out on a Monday night. You yeah. could have been doing anything, but thank you. And uh, as I close it out, one of the things I was thinking about that that a lot of people are having a problem having this discussion because they believe that this is causing division by by us talking about it and I just want to like like slay that giant and nullify that lie that this is not unto division chaos and disorder what God is wanting to do is reveal is yeah. to show us where there still may be darkness still may be things in That's our right. heart so that he can deal with it especially from his bride or the church because what God wants what he's doing in this hour is preparing his bride for his return yeah yeah, yeah. and Come this on. is Come unto on. the return of That's Jesus right. it's not unto That's division right. it's, not unto right. it's not unto chaos it's not unto disorder right. That's right. but he's preparing yeah. his bride and and as the bridegroom, he longs to be with the bride. Yeah. But before that happens, the Bible says the bride has to be with spot or wrinkle. Yeah. yeah. And this is and an this issue. Is this is an issue where yeah. there's a spot, there's it a is. wrinkle. So he's it doing this so that we, so that we can address it. So we, we can be clean. Yeah. So we have to be cleansed. So I, I believe that's what he wants to do, and he's gonna come through relationships. So thank you guys for joining. I'll pray, and we'll yeah. we'll close it out tonight. Absolutely so god we just thank you for tonight god we thank you for uh for you being here we just adore you we honor you we lift the name of jesus high tonight we declare that there is no other name by which men can be saved and that there's no greater name than the name of jesus so we just declare uh let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven father we thank you for the conversations tonight that that we, we, we understand that this is not a one-time thing, Father. So, God, we thank you for what you're birthing. Yes. We thank you for what you're birthed in our hearts. We're humble. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We're, we're, we're thankful. Thank but, God, you. we take the charge. We take the mantle to continue. Yes. So, Holy Spirit, we just pray that what has been released tonight, that you would uh, awaken hearts. That where there were places that may have been stony, which you soften hearts. Where thank there needs Lord. to be clarity, which you provide clarity. Where there needs to be wisdom, which you provided. Yeah, everything yeah. that needs to be provided around what has been said tonight, which you just meet people right where they are. Yeah, God, we thank you. How you're patient with us. You're loving. You're so gentle. You're so merciful. So Holy Spirit, do that only which you can do. Yeah so we thank you again tonight thank you for everyone that that watched tonight uh we bless their homes we bless their families and we thank you for the conversations that are gonna come by what has been said tonight conversations among uh people that look like each other people that are black people that are white or whatever color god we thank you for even the conversations that will happen between people that don't look like each other we thank you that the elephant in the room has been exposed (laughs) we will no longer walk around it but we will engage from this point on so god we thank you we love you in jesus name amen thank you guys thank you all for being with us
0: be on the lookout for episode two We'll send those dates out on those times. We can't wait to be with you again. Can't wait. I'm Ronnell. I'm Derek's. Bless y'all. And this has been the Voice, Voice of freedom. freedom. Bye-bye. See you guys.